Let's put our living stereo stylus in this groove.
Hey everyone, welcome to Slate Church Online. We're so excited for church this week. My name's Luke Betker. I'm one of the lead pastors at Slate Church. I get to pastor together with my amazing wife, Victoria, and we pastor alongside the absolutely incredible Brandon and Emma Richardson. We just wanna say, hey, we're excited for what God's gonna do today. Why don't you take a minute and hit the invite button that's coming up in the chat beside and invite someone to church. It's not too late. Uh, tell them church is happening right now. We'd love to see you. Go ahead and do that. And also, uh, if you're new here, why don't you take a minute and Click the connect card button that's coming up as well. We'd love to get connected with you. We believe that God's got a plan and he's got a purpose for your life. So, hey, we're gonna start our service the way that we start always. We're gonna worship God together. So wherever you're at, why don't you stand up if you can, if you can spread out, uh, whatever works for you. We're gonna take some time. Let's worship God. Let's lean into his presence today. Your favor waits within the future. My dreams are small compared to yours Why should I worry about tomorrow When I know that all I gotta do Is trust you, Lord Every little thing's gonna be alright Every little thing's gonna be just fine whether I can see it now, I know you will work it out for good. Every little thing, everything will be alright. Behind the scenes and in the details. You planned the perfect way for me Why would I dwell upon the roads and certainties When all I gotta do is look to you All I gotta do is look to you Every little thing's gonna be alright Every little thing's gonna be just fine Whether I can see it now I know you will work it out for good Come on! Every little thing, everything will be alright Every little thing, every little thing 
Satan fall like lightning I saw darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Oh, my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Oh, 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 oh
around 
so good to worship God together, isn't it? We're actually going to continue right now and uh, continue to, to go to God in worship as we actually do something that we always do here at Slate Church. Uh, we come around our time of prayer and praise. And so I'm going to read out some of the prayer requests that have come in in our church this past week. And this is a time where prayer requests have come in and we're praying over these things. These are needs and requests that people in our church have. Could be people sitting in the room with you. It could be you. Listen, as a church, we are going to pray over these needs. We're going to believe that God is going to move. Amen. So let me read a few of the things that we're praying for this week. Just a small portion of the many prayer requests that have come in this week. This week, we're praying um, uh, for a family who's grieving the loss of one of their family members, praying over a friend of someone who's in the hospital with stage four cancer diagnosis, praying that somebody else would have good and healthy and positive relationships in their life. We're praying for somebody else that they would actually just have uh, continued confidence in God, praying for somebody that they would be able to focus on their schooling and their personal wellness. We're also praying that somebody would heal from a time of just being burned out in their life and that they would just come alive again in that area. Look, again, this is a small portion of the many requests that have come in this past week, but we know and we believe that God sees every single need and he can't only see the need, but he actually wants to meet the need as well. So let's believe for that today. If you feel comfortable, why don't you just stretch out a hand towards your screen as we pray over these needs today. 
Father, you see each and every need that's represented here. You see every life attached to the need. You see every situation. And we thank you, Lord, that not one of these needs is too big for you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care about us. And so, Father, I pray for healing and I pray for provision and I pray for direction. I pray for protection. Jesus, I just ask that you would move in every single situation, that your presence would be so real. And Jesus, that people would turn and they would glorify you because of it. Father, we thank you for who you are in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we don't only pray over the needs uh, that come in, but we also praise God for what he has done. You know, we pray in faith over what we believe God will do. And now we celebrate together over what God has done as we share some praise reports. So check this out. Here's some of the praise reports, what God's been doing in the lives of people in our church. Someone uh, this is an awesome praise report because I agree. Someone is thankful for the beautiful weather of this past week. Anybody else? Come on, say amen if you believe that. I am with you here. Uh, someone else thankful that they've been able to find work in the midst of this chaos of COVID, they wrote. Someone else is thankful that in this season, uh, God has been able to restore their relationship, bringing them back together with healing and forgiveness. Amen. Someone else is thankful for the people that they get to work with. Someone is thankful that their brother had his final MRI after chemo and he is completely clear of cancer. Come on, isn't that awesome? What great praise reports, things that God has been doing in the lives of people that attend our church. What an incredible, incredible thing. Let's never grow content or complacent with what God is doing. He is moving and it's incredible that we get to experience that in our church. It's an amazing thing. Well, hey, again, I just wanna say welcome. We're glad that you've joined us for Church Online. We really are, and we're gonna do something now. We do this in person, but we thought, let's continue this when we're doing Church Online as well. Why don't you take a minute right now, say, if you're with people, say hi to the people around you, maybe give them a hug, uh, give them a handshake if you can, if it's appropriate, if it's immediate family, go ahead and do that. Um, uh, send somebody a text message, say hi to somebody. Although it's a time of physical distancing, it doesn't mean that we have to be socially distant at this time. So say hi to somebody. Let them know that they're loved. Well, hey, as a church, now we get to uh, be generous and we get to actually uh, give back to God out of what he has given to us. And to encourage us in our giving, in our tithes and offering today, I wanna invite Pastor Brandon to encourage us. Church, I just wanna take a moment to encourage all of us, including myself, in our generosity in this season. You know, at every time, no matter where you find yourself at life, it's a good time to be generous. We always say, you know, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And it's not just something we say, that's actually scriptural. And I find it very interesting that in the first five chapters of the Bible, you already have uh, one of the predominant themes or narratives surrounding and centering on the idea of generosity. You have Cain and you have Abel, and they both bring gifts to God. And of course, Abel brings a gift and uh, God's pleased with it. Cain brings a gift and God's not pleased with it. It actually leads Cain to go kill his brother. Terrible, I know. And it's like, well, what does this have to do with tithing? What does this have to do with giving? What does this have to do with generosity? There's a posture of the heart when we give that God really cares about. You see, uh, Cain worked with different agriculture than Abel did. Cain was in uh, uh, plants and wheat and harvesting, whereas Abel was in, uh, uh, you know, 
herds and sheep and, and meat and that sort of thing. This wasn't a difference of what they brought. It's a difference of what they brought in, in their hearts. You see, it's really interesting in Luke chapter 21, one to four, God talks about this very same thing. It says that Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is a Cain and Abel spirit living itself out right in the New Testament. Church, we ought to be giving with hearts that are pure. We need to give uh, with hearts that are stretching towards God. We need to give with hearts that are um, pure before God. What God cares about is not the size of the gift, but the honesty in which the gift is given. A lot of us know that we have the ability to follow God's instructions on tithing, but maybe we're not. A lot of you are. We have a very generous church, even in this season. My encouragement to all of us, including myself today, is let's maintain a heart of the widow. Let's maintain the heart of Abel and give it what God has given us. It's a testament to where we believe our trust really is. It's a testament to where we believe what we have, uh, where uh, what we have it has come from. We believe that all we have is from God and to return back and give a portion back to God is really just, uh, hey, thanks dad for everything you've given me. So today we have an opportunity to give. I know there's different options that are gonna come up on the screen after me. There's probably some options on the screen below me right here probably like somewhere right around here. Whatever it is and whatever you're giving today, we're gonna pray that it's blessed, that you're blessed through it. And remember, just because you give doesn't mean you're gonna get something back. We do this out of obedience. So church, why don't we bow our heads? We're gonna pray over what we're giving right now. And maybe you've given this past week or you're giving in this moment. Why don't you just hold that up in your head as I begin to pray? Jesus, we thank you for everybody in Slate Church that is, uh, is generous during this time. God, I'm thankful for those that have joined our church during this time that consider Slate Church their church and, in, and have been giving through this entire COVID season. God, we are blessed to be a blessing. God, we know that there's a responsibility to turn back to you. And for all of us, no matter we find ourselves in poverty like the, the, the widow, or we feel find ourselves in abundance like Abel, God, we pray right now that our hearts would be pure before you as we give back to you. And thank you for all the many blessings you brought into our life already as we are obedient in turning back to you and giving back to you what is rightfully yours. God, we thank you for who you are. Amen. Hey Slate Church, if you don't know who I am, my name is Beth Moore. I'm one of the site pastors here at Slate Church. And in the past couple of weeks, you'll notice that we've been sharing some stories of people in our church family. And that's just because we wanna be really intentional about remembering some of the ways that God has moved and is moving in the lives of people in our own church community. And today we have someone incredible with us. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Sierra Annett. Um, yeah, I've been coming to Slate Church since January 2019, and yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Sierra. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your relationship with God or your relationship to God looked like growing up? Um, yeah, so I was raised in a Roman Catholic family, um, so there was a very legalistic view of God. There really wasn't any sort of like relationship um, I wasn't aware of like God's love. And so I really started to not really understand who God was. Like my foundation wasn't very clear. Um, and so I really just kind of 
forgot about God. I totally just turned away from Him. Um, and so once I got through, uh, kind of through high school, still didn't have a relationship with God. Um, in grade 12, a friend died by suicide and my dad um, became legally blind. And I really took it upon myself to be the person that would try to make everybody happy, bring some joy to people's lives, try to like fix and help. And so I decided to go to university for psychology. And I really wanted to know like, how can I do this? How can I, how can I bring happiness to other people, but how can I also bring happiness to myself? And what are some tools and some ways that, um, that I can do that? And so through university, I experienced um, some stuff just as anybody else does, like life happens. And so um, I found myself experiencing depression and I just really couldn't understand why. I, uh, I was in school, I had a job, um, I had a great group of friends, like everything seemed okay, but there was just still like something on an existential level or a spiritual level that was missing. So when did things start to shift where you really decided to look at God in a new light? Well, um, that was when um, my friend Jackie uh, invited me to Slate. She had invited me many times. And then, yeah, just one day I saw the Slate Church signs and I thought, why not just try it? Like, it won't hurt. And uh, of course, the first message that I heard at Slate was Brandon's message and he was talking about patience versus control. And he was talking about how, like, we have to be obedient in what's in our sphere of, like, control. But beyond these things, like, this is the space where you have to let God work. And this is the space when you become too overwhelmed and too full of anxiety. And that's exactly what I was going through. I was really battling with, like, I'm doing all that I can, but why do I still feel this like unease? Like, why do I still feel like, like the future is dreadful and like something specifically in his message or maybe it was the worship became so clear that God does exist and God is loving and he has a plan for me and I can rely on him to like protect me when things go wrong, like I can, I can lean on him. And this was like the missing piece that I was searching for, but he was like always with me. Wow, that's incredible. So for people that are, are maybe still in that position of holding on to control in their own lives, what would your advice be to somebody in that spot? It is, it is really hard to trust someone or someone, something else with like your future, but having that trust in God and knowing that no matter what, like he will always be with you. And like no matter your shortcomings or your mistakes, like there is always a place for you in God's house. You have to just go beyond your own understanding because there is something bigger than all of us. There's something bigger than all of us could ever imagine. And he created us and he created this world. And that's stuff that's like scientists still can't figure out. I find so much peace in knowing that like God has it all figured out. That's incredible. And I, I know that that 
kind of testimony will resonate with a lot of people right now that are having a hard time with what's going on in our world and just letting go of some of that control. And so we're so grateful that you would share your story with us in our church. We love you. We're so glad that you are, are here and a part of the Slate family. And thank you so much for being willing to share your story today. Thanks, Beth. Well, hey, I just want to take a minute and tell you about some awesome stuff that we're still doing as a church. You know, even in this season, as we've moved to church online and in this season of, of physical distancing and all this stuff, we're so thankful as a church that we still get to be the hands and feet of Jesus every single day. We've still got a lot of great stuff happening and we don't want you to miss out on any of it. So make sure that you're following us on social media to stay up to date on everything that we're doing as a church. We want to make sure that you're still involved. We've got great stuff happening all throughout the week and we want you to know what that is. One of those things, for instance, is prayer mornings. You know, we have prayer mornings every single Thursday morning between 6.30 and 7.30 a.m. It's a great time. we got lots of people that show up on a Zoom call and we just take time and we pray and we worship together. We pray over the prayer requests that come in in our church. It's a powerful time and a great way to start your day on Thursday. We'd love to see you there. Make sure you go to our website to be able to follow the links to join us for prayer mornings on Thursday. Also, visit our website for information on whatever it is that you might have questions about. Our website, that's your one-stop shop. It's the hub for every everything Slate Church in this season. If you got a question, why don't you go to our website? You can probably find out the answer there. The other thing I wanna tell you about is something called Connect Groups. We love Connect Groups at Slate Church. It's an awesome opportunity that even in this season, you don't have to be alone. Connect Groups meet bi-weekly. Uh, right now, they're meeting over Zoom. And it's actually a great way to meet people, to stay connected with people, to find yourself in a small group of people that legitimately, truly care about you and want to see you uh, thrive and flourish in your life and your relationship with Jesus. So if you want to sign up for a connect group, we'd love for you to do that. What are you waiting for? This is the perfect time. There's never been a better time to sign up for a connect group than today. And so make sure that you go to our website, slatechurch.com. You can find out more about it and you can sign up for a connect group there. We'd love to have you. So again, lots of great stuff happening. Stay engaged uh, because we're excited for what God is doing in this season. Are you ready for the message today? Look, I'm so excited for this word. I'm really believing that God wants to speak to us as a church. Let's lean in. Let's bring our faith. Let's lift our level of expectation for what God wants to say. Really believe that he's got a word for you, a timely one for this season. So, hey, why don't we welcome Pastor Emma as she brings God's word today. Hey, Slate Church. Happy Sunday. So glad to be joining you here today. Man, Spring has sprung, has it not? Uh, what a beautiful week we have had. What a beautiful Sunday it is. Uh, what a beautiful week we have coming ahead. I think that we fully skipped uh, spring. That just wasn't a thing this year. I mean, last week we were having a snowstorm, which is pretty crazy to wake up to in uh, May. But this week, We've got summer. It is time to uh, pull out the t-shirts, pull out uh, the sandals, get your yourself outside, get your kids outside, get the sunscreen on because it is finally nice out. And you know what? Here in Canada, that is, it feels like a miracle. We have made it through the storm of winter and we are finally on the other side. So I hope that you are going to enjoy today. Maybe you're watching one of our later services. I hope that you did enjoy the day um, because it is just amazing to have 
nice weather. Can I hear a collective amen across the screen? I mean, I can hear you right now. It's pretty incredible, uh, that amen for this weather that we have been having. But listen, if you don't know who I am and you're tuning in and you're like, what is going on here? My name is Emma Richardson and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Slate Church. And it is a privilege to do what we get to do, whether it is uh, virtually in this season or in person, which we look forward to with anticipation. Again, we love that we get to come together, worship God, read from his word and understand how this applies to our life, how we get to work out this thing called faith and this hope that we have in Jesus. And I'm excited to be preaching to you today out of a verse that really is something that I have had almost as a mantra in my life that I speak over other people all the time. So if you have your Bible, why don't you open it up to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And listen, today I'm reading out of the New King James Version. This is not a version that I usually would read from and that I usually use, but I think it's appropriate the way that it is worded in this particular version. It says this, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Maybe you just need to hear that encouragement today, but I'm excited to dive into this verse, dive into this scripture today as we start to navigate a little bit surrounding our mental health, around mental illness, around anxiety, depression, worry, different things that we're feeling and might be feeling in this season. I want to dive in today and see what God's word has to say about that. So listen, if you're taking notes and I encourage you to do so, uh, pull out your phone, pull out your notebooks. So you can reference back later in the week. If you are taking notes, you can write down this title, Weed That Garden. Weed that garden. All right, you with me, church? Awesome. Why don't we pray today? God, I thank you so much that we get to gather here, that we get to come around your word and learn about who you are and what you have to say to us. Jesus, I just pray that you would speak through me in a powerful way today, God. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, listen, there were two letters written to Timothy. You know, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy in the New Testament, and Timothy was really someone that Paul cared a lot about. He he was a co-worker, but it was like a brotherly love between Paul and Timothy. And the verse that we find ourselves in today is, is really uh, in the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. It's at the, at the start of the second letter. And although there were two letters written, they were written from different context. The first letter that Paul writes to Timothy, Paul is in uh, house arrest. So he is still under persecution. He's still not able to go freely and share the gospel. And he's trying to encourage Timothy. He's trying to pour into him. But in the second letter, we see a little bit more of a dire situation. You know, scholars believe that 2 Timothy was written around 64 AD to 67 AD, somewhere in that zone. And Paul at this time was no longer in house arrest. He was actually very likely in, in a dungeon, in, in a, a, a really difficult, challenging prison. It would not have been a good situation for Paul. He would have been persecuted like a common criminal. And you know, what was happening during this time was that Christians everywhere were actually being persecuted to a whole nother level. You see, Emperor Nero uh, was 
was over Rome at this time. And Emperor Nero was absolutely crazy. I just want to be honest here. He was he was a bit deranged when it came to the way that he led and the way that he persecuted Christians. You know, at one point, Emperor Nero set Rome literally on fire and watched it burn because he didn't want anything to exist past him. He wanted to destroy. If he was going to go out, he was going to destroy everything in the process. But then, of course, people rose up and they didn't like that too much, that uh, that he was burning everything down. So he decided to blame the Christians. And that opened up a whole new door for persecution and opened up a whole new opportunity for him to really uh, be absolutely horrible, horrendous acts towards Christians. Like we're talking taking people, sewing them in the skins of animals and letting dogs attack. We're talking lighting uh, uh, Christians up on a pole during the dinner parties. Like he was absolutely deranged. It was not a good time for Christians. It was a scary time. It was a difficult time. It was a time where they were under intense persecution. And this is where Paul is writing from. He is under uh, uh, Emperor Nero and he's understanding kind of the atmosphere for Christians at this time. So he's writing this to Timothy and he is saying to him, uh, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He is trying to encourage him in the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of the unknown, to keep the faith, keep going. You've got this. It's going to be okay. I recognize the suffering, but this is why we are in the midst of it. You see, this letter is written in such a personal way. He's writing to Timothy as a friend, as a coworker, as a brother in Christ. It is such a personal letter, and we get to be a part of that. We get to read this as scripture today. You see, right now we find ourselves uh, in a time of history where there is a lot of unknown. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of disappointment. What's going to happen next as we open up the economy, as we, as we start to go back to maybe a new normal and start heading into these stages? And what is this going to look like? And we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what things are going to look like as we go through this season. But, you know, for many of us, this feeling of the unknown and, and feeling a little bit stuck is not something that is new to us since the beginning of this year or since a couple of months ago. Maybe it's something that you actually struggle with on a regular basis. Feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, feelings of being overwhelmed and stressed out. You know, as a psychotherapist and a pastor, I have the privilege of walking with people through many different situations. You know, I get to see people in their highest highs and 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 walk through victories with people, but I also navigate with some people their most challenging seasons and and their greatest losses. But you know, the longer that I do this and the longer that I work with people, the more I see and recognize that every single person has a story. Everyone that you walk by, everybody in your life, everyone that you know has a story. You are not alone if you are feeling like you are overwhelmed and you have things going on and you're dealing with different situations. You are not alone. You know, I have heard some pretty crazy things. I have heard some things that people have said, not much really shocks me anymore. But the thing is, is that most of them, most people are thinking about, a lot of people are thinking about and navigating. You are not alone in the challenges that you are facing. You know, whether you are tuning into this message and you are facing challenges surrounding mental illness or surrounding mental health, or you feel like, hey, this is not really me. 
in this particular season. I, I can't relate to this in this particular season. We all need to recognize that in different seasons, we face different challenges, but there is one who is steady through it all, and that is Jesus. He is the hope that we have. He is the one who we can put our trust and our assurance in today. We have hope in Jesus, and I'm excited to talk about what we can hold on to in that. <clears throat> you know, in this season, it's pretty common to head out to the garden centers and to, to get outside your home and to plant some gardens and to do some things and, and to mow your lawn and to do all of this stuff. I'm Right now, I'm a little bit obsessed with gardening, to be honest. I'm a little bit obsessed. Uh, uh, Brandon has caught me on more than one occasion gazing out our front window at our garden that is in progress this year. I've already put in lots of hours and, and hard work to get this garden ready to go. And I'm just looking and I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about getting the mulch and I'm thinking about doing these things and, and uh, uh, dreaming about what I'm going to put in this garden. I have like spent time on uh, Googling uh, what to plant and what not to plant for the sun and in certain soil and in certain positions and, and color schemes. Like it is a little bit crazy what I am doing right now. I'm a little bit obsessed with this idea of gardening. <clears throat> you know, when we moved into our current home two years ago, I had great hopes for this garden, okay? It was a little bit overgrown at the time. We moved in in the middle of summer. The people who were moving out didn't really care about the garden because they were moving. So I was excited to get my hands dirty in this garden. You know, at the time we had uh, a two-year-old, our oldest was two years old, uh, our, our next child, our son was nine months old, and little did I know, but when we moved into that house, I was already pregnant with our third child. So I went out one day and I was ripping out weeds left, right, and center. And I was trying to, to get this garden cleaned up and I was pulling up all of the weeds. And shortly after that, I was like, why am I so exhausted? Well, I took a test and it turned out that baby number three was on the way. And, and so that garden really just did not get any attention for the rest of that summer. Well, listen, fast forward one year and last year with a two month old baby strapped on me, I was once again, extremely optimistic about this garden. The weeds were growing up and I was like, not today, Satan. And I got out there with our two month old daughter strapped on, two toddlers in tow, pulling out weeds, trying to get this garden worked out. Well, of course, as any parent knows, that was not going to work. There's no way I was going to be able to get that garden finished, plant the things that needed to be planted. And so once again, my dreams of a a beautiful garden were dashed. It just wasn't going to happen. Again, the garden went on hold. Well, listen, I am here to tell you today that this is my year. I am not pregnant. Uh, our youngest child is now walking. So she is a little bit more self-sufficient. Uh, our, our two other ones are a little bit older. They know the boundaries. They're not gonna run onto the road while I am digging out weeds with the shovel, while I'm getting things prepared. This is our year. We are going to have the best garden on the block. And listen, our street is filled with individuals who are retired and have time on their hands to garden, but I am up for the challenge, okay? I am taking this challenge on. We are going to have the best garden. I'm determined to have a beautiful garden in front of our house. But you know what? I have learned something with gardening. 
And it's this, you have to weed it. You have to weed your garden. Even if you put in the most beautiful plants, even if you feel like you have gotten every root, even if it looks absolutely perfect, gardens take maintenance. They take weeding. This is how it's going to be as well if we are going to have victory over mental health, over our mental challenges, over the things that we are facing, over the moods, over the behaviors that we have. If we're going to have victory, it's going to take maintenance. Second Timothy 1.7, as we read earlier, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, I love in the midst of, that in the midst of so much challenge that, that Paul was facing, that Timothy was facing, this is what he's writing. What wisdom this is, that God has not given you that spirit of fear, regardless of your circumstance. God has not planted a spirit of fear in you. He has planted good fruit, power, love, and a sound mind. And yet so often we can find ourselves riddled with anxiety and worry, depression, stress, fear. And you know, the more that we think about these things, the more that we dwell on these things, the more we feel these things, sometimes the more we feel them. It becomes this vicious cycle of you becoming worried about the worry and afraid of the fear and anxious about the anxiety. And it all of a sudden becomes this negative cycle of feeling bad and not knowing how to get out of it and feeling absolutely powerless. It becomes a vicious cycle. But what gives? God has not given us this spirit, so why are we feeling these things as a society? Why are we navigating things at a, like this at a rate like never before? If this is not from God, why is it there? If I worked so hard to weed my garden, why do the weeds continue to grow? You see, Paul is reminding Timothy that even though the weeds are in his circumstances, the suffering of Christians, the uncertainty of what is ahead, that that is not from God, that that is not God's intention, that he lives in fear. See, we have to remind ourselves that God has given us good things and he has equipped us with the tools that we need for victory, but we need to actually do some of the work. We actually need to get our hands dirty in this process. So how do we have victory over the challenges that we face in our life, over the weeds? I wanna give you three really quick points because we need to recognize what is in our hands. The first is this, we need to recognize that we have power in our hands. God has given us power and I liken this to our behavior. We have power in what we choose to do and what we choose not to do. We have power in our actions. How are you behaving today, church? You know, someone asked me, quite some time ago now, how do you spend your days? How do you spend your days? And I absolutely love the way that they phrase this question. And I have picked it up and I ask people this all the time. How do you spend your days? Because I would find that I would ask people like, what do you do? And this immediately got tied to people's uh, work status, their job title. And I would see one of two reactions take place. I would either see someone take a lot of pride in what they do and be excited to share about it and tell me details about what they do for a living and what that looks like and all of this, 
or I would see shame fall over someone and they would start making excuses for what they do. They would start saying, oh yeah, you know, I, I work at this restaurant, but you know, I'm probably not going to be there forever. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to school or I'm going to do this, or I might apply for this or, uh, oh, I'm, I'm just a mom. I just stay at home. You know, I'm with my kids and you know, they're crazy lots to do. And, and there would be almost this, a, a reasoning away this job title of what they did. And I'm like, I don't care what your job title is. I want to know more about you. I love this question. How do you spend your days? Because I think if we actually ask ourselves this today, church, how do I spend my days? It gives us a good indicator of our behavior. Is our behavior helping us or is our behavior hurting us? You see, for a lot of us, when we uh, look at our days, we actually overestimate the amount of time that we are doing things productive and beneficial for us or the people people around us. And we underestimate how much time we are spending uh, just kind of feeding into things that are not helpful, that we are, are, are doing things that are not good for us, that we are, are being lazy, that we are just kind of sitting around, that we are preoccupied with scrolling social media, watching Netflix, playing video games, doing all of these other things that might actually not be giving us as much benefit as we think that they are. So how do you spend your days? How do, you how do you spend your time? What does your behavior actually look like? Are you hitting the basics of healthy behavior? I think this is important to come to time and time again during this season of the coronavirus because so many of us are spending more time at home maybe than ever before. And are you sleeping? Are you getting your sleep? Are you eating well? Are you exercising? Are you taking time to take care of yourself? Are you spending time with people that you love, maybe over social media, maybe over FaceTime, maybe over Zoom, maybe in person in your home? How are you spending your time? Are you choosing to engage in negative behaviors? Are you overeating? Are you lusting through the use of pornography? Are you drinking too much? Are you yelling at your spouse or your kids? Are you cheating on your taxes? Are you just wasting all of your energy going into things that are draining you rather than filling you? See, we actually have power in our behavior. And if we're going to navigate and have victory over our mental health and have victory over the things that we are uh, uh, feeling and thinking and doing, we need to recognize that our behavior gives us insight into this. We have choice and power in what we choose to do and what we choose not to do. And we need to start to recognize what are we doing? How do we spend our days? How do we spend our time? This is reflective of what's going on on the inside. But church, we have power over this and there is hope. The second one is this love. We have love. Love, it, it, it's our emotions. God has given us really this incredible emotion of love, but God has given us so many emotions. But you know, oftentimes shame is attached to our emotions and shame is very simply put as this. It is something that we feel we have done or haven't done that keeps us from authentic relationships with other people. You see, when we wear shame around, it affects how we feel. It affects how we judge our feelings and what we are, we are navigating on the inside. Shame is what puts us on the bench in the game of life because it's how we believe we have performed and what we deserve. You see, shame is often connected to fear and guilt, but we do not have a spirit of fear that is God-given. That is not from God. And the reason it's not from God is because we have grace. Paul talks about this to Timothy in verse 9 of the same chapter. He talks to us of grace being revealed to us through Jesus. 
This is the free and unmerited favor of God that no matter what you have done, no matter what you have felt, no matter where you have been, no matter what your past looks like, no matter what you have thought, you can receive God's grace today and step into this love for yourself, for others, and for God. It's an incredible way to live your life when we can get a handle on how we feel and recognize that, hey, a feeling is a feeling, but God wants us to be able to have victory over over our feelings. That, that a feeling is just that. It is a feeling. And if we allow ourselves to feel it and allow it to move from our lives and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to come in, recognize that we don't have to be ruled by our feelings, we can actually find freedom. The third is this, a sound mind. God has given us in our hand power. He has given us love and he has given us a sound mind. We have the ability to be disciplined in our mind. Listen, we have to take control of our thinking if we are going to have victory in mental illness. God has given us a sound mind and we need to hold on to that truth. You see, a thought is just a thought, church. Sometimes we can get so freaked out by our thoughts. Does anyone else think this way? And we start overthinking and overanalyzing and ruminating and going over and over and over again. And it becomes this big thing. It becomes this all or nothing thinking. We get riddled with assumptions. This person must be thinking that about me. And if they think that, then that means this. And then I have to do this. And then what if that happens? And then this person's going to think this about me. And then I can't please this person over here. And then what am I going to do? And how can God use me? Maybe it's better if I just shrink back and I just stay away from it all. And I, I just pull back from this. And and then we start to feel anxious about our thoughts. And we have to recognize that God has given us a sound mind. We don't have to carry around fear. We don't have to carry around anxiety. We don't have to carry on overthinking and ruminating and people pleasing. God has given us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we can grab onto that today, church. We need to be able to process our thoughts with other people. See, God has given us uh, people that can come around us and come alongside us. I encourage you, get in a group where you can talk about the things that are going on in your mind, the things that you are struggling with, the things you're wrestling with. Talk to a trusted friend. Be able to process some of this out loud. Go see a therapist. Cross that bridge. I know that can be scary. I know that can be awkward, but it is such an important thing to be doing. Whether you feel like you're healthy or you're facing some really difficult things in your life right now, go and see somebody because you can start to work out these thoughts and it's a space that is just for you to be able to do that in. Don't try to do life alone. Don't try to work these thoughts out alone. It's so easy to get stuck when we try to do things alone. Bring other people in. You see, these are the truths that we get to hang on to. This is the truth that Paul was telling Timothy so many years ago, that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. You see, regardless of your circumstance or your challenge, you can have victory in our behavior, in your thinking, in your feelings. Because our spirit is not one of fear, we actually have a different spirit inside of us as Christians, and that is the Holy Spirit. This is a game changer. We don't have to carry around fear and timidity, anxiety, worry, depression, obsessive thoughts, compulsions, disordered eating, panic, or hatred. We get to have the Holy Spirit and look to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But listen, church, having the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we won't suffer. Paul talks about this. 
in verses 9 to 12, he says that this message of Jesus is why he is suffering. I mean, he is in jail as he writes this letter. He recognizes that God has entrusted him with a message, but that doesn't mean that it will be easy. Just because we are Christians does not mean that we will be free from all suffering and free from all challenges. It means that our hope is not placed in our circumstance. Our hope is placed on things above. Our victory does not come from ourselves. It does not just come from pulling enough weeds. You know, church, I pulled weeds for two years straight. I pulled weeds for both of those summers, but that did not mean that I had a beautiful garden to look out to just because I pulled weeds. Our victory comes from our source being in Jesus, that we are attached to him as the vine so that we may produce good fruit. We need to recognize what he has put in us and continue to focus on that while not neglecting and ignoring the challenge. You see, God isn't calling us to be avoidant today to our hardships and just sweeping them under the rug. We're going to keep tripping over those time and time again. He is calling us to pull out those weeds of poor behavior, negative emotions, detrimental thinking. He's asking us to pull those weeds out, to be aware of them, to bring them to the forefront today and to do the work necessary. And he is calling us to reclaim the power of the Holy Spirit that he has given us. So listen, this victory over mental illness challenges that we're facing, over the moods and behaviors and thoughts that we have is twofold. And I'm closing with this. It is doing what we can do with the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize that there are things we can do that the Holy Spirit has equipped us to do and that we can start walking at. That's the first one. But then it's also trusting in God in the things that we can. It's recognizing that God does the work and we just meet him there. Even in the midst of this crazy season, I wanna proclaim over you, leaning into this message today, that God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you love, he has given you power, and he has given you a sound mind. He has given you the ability to think, he has given you the ability to feel. He has given you the ability to behave in a way that honors and glorifies him. Don't go at this alone. Don't try to do it on your own. Trust in the Holy Spirit to do the work in you. Do what you can, bring people around you, and we are going to see victory when it comes to our mental health. I encourage you to hold on to that truth today. Listen, maybe you're here and you're, you're going, what, what does this look like to have a relationship with Jesus? I want that Holy Spirit inside of me. I want that truth living inside of me. Well, listen, there's good news today because uh, Jesus came, he died for your sins and he rose again so that we could have freedom in him, so that we could have relationship with him. So if you're here today and you're going, hey, I, I want relationship with Jesus. I actually want that freedom in Christ. I actually want that. I want to tell you it's very simple. Basically, the Bible just says that if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and profess that with our mouths, we will be saved. It's that simple. We need to believe it. 
So today, if you're there and you're listening and you're saying, I want that relationship, there's gonna be something that pops up in the comment section right now. It's just a little box that says, I'm raising my hand. This is an action. This is us saying, hey, I'm gonna put my hand up and commit that I wanna follow Jesus today. So if that's you right in this moment, right where you're at, why don't you just click that button? I just wanna pray with you very simply. So wherever you are, just close your eyes right now. And if you're making that decision, click that button. And why don't you just say in your heart, yes, Lord, I am choosing you today. And now I wanna pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much for every person that's making that decision today, God. I thank you that you came and died for us and rose again so that we could have freedom in you, so that we could have relationship in, with you, so that we could have the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us, Lord. So I thank you today for those decisions being made. I pray you would go with us. In your name, amen. Listen, if you made that decision, I really want to say congratulations. It's the best decision you could ever make. Check out the comments there because there's going to be more information on next steps, how to get connected. If you have questions, we want to answer them. And we are just so happy for you today. But I want to pray really quickly for one more group of people just as we close off. If you're here and you're going, hey, I am wrestling and I'm struggling when it comes to my mental health and when it comes to anxiety, depression, overthinking, all of, all of these things, wherever it is, and you're going, I need to reclaim the fact that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he has given me the ability to think, the ability to feel, and the ability to behave in a way that is as power and victory over the challenges that I face. Love, power, and a sound mind. I just wanna pray that over to you, you today. So if that's you, every eye closed, every head bowed, wherever you're at, if that's you, why don't you just stretch a hand toward the screen? I just wanna pray with you now. Jesus, you see every hand raised. You see every heart that's crying out, God. You see every need in every place that's being occupied. And Jesus, right now, we pray that you would break the chains of fear and anxiety, God. I pray right now that you would break chains of depression, God, that the challenges that people are facing, Lord, that you would just come into that space, God, and you would just set people free today. Jesus, we just proclaim that there would be people that would come into others' lives, Lord, right now, God, that would come alongside and journey along in this time. Jesus, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit right now, that you would occupy us, that you would be inside of us, and you would give us power over these things. I thank you for victory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, church. Have an awesome day. What an awesome message that was. Thank you, Pastor Emma, for bringing that word. I know that that made a big impact on my life, and I know it did on so many people in our church as well. Thank you for that. Listen, if you're one of the people who just a moment ago, you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Honestly, that's the best decision that you could make. And although that's a decision made in private, it's meant to be lived out in public. And we want to do whatever we can do as a church to help you on this journey of faith. So I want to encourage you, fill out one of our Connect cards. Again, there's a, a, a button coming up in the chat beside this window right now. We'd love for you to click that and fill out a Connect card. We want to answer any questions you might have, get to know you, and uh, just help you get connected. So make sure that you do that. We would love to be able to follow up with you uh, after you made that incredible, incredible decision. 
Well, again, thanks for tuning in to Slate Church Online today. It's been an amazing service. It's awesome that we get to do this as a church. Um, Hey, we love you. We're thankful for you, church. We're thankful for you in this season. Uh, As lead pastors, we are just so proud of our church and just how everybody just leans in, even in a season like this. So thank you. We love you so much. Um, And we'll see you next week. But first, if you got kids, Slate Kids is happening right now. Stick around for Slate Kids. Otherwise, we'll see you later. We love you. Have an awesome rest of your day. Hey, Kenzie, how's it going? Good, 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 good. Hi, Slate Kids. Say, Slate Kids is now. Slate Kids is now.